Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today and listen to our type twos, the nurturing supporters, where we're going to do a panel and hearing from them on how they use their personality and their EIP parts. But if you didn't know, we are actually on YouTube. So head over there, watch this podcast, like it and subscribe so you can get updated on all the podcasts that are coming. Well, like I said, we're going to talk to two type twos um, because Each type two is different. Now, yes, they have the same core motivations, why they think, feel, and behave. Those core motivations are the things that are really running the show, but we have more parts to us than just our main type. We're more than just one type. And we're going to talk today about how the type two's parts show up in different ways so that you can get a fuller picture of the type two's. Well, before we introduce our guest, if you're hearing EIP and you don't know what we're talking about, be sure to go back and check out episode 112. There we fully explain this new approach to the Enneagram that we call the Enneagram Internal Profile, or EIP for short. And if you want to know more about Type 2s, you can also listen to the previous episode, 119, where we do a deep dive into the the Type 2s EIP. Beth, why don't you give everyone just a brief description to catch them up on what is EIP? Yeah. So as we all know, God focuses on our heart condition. And the Enneagram brings awareness to if our heart is aligned uh, or misaligned with the truth of the gospel. Now, your EIP, Enneagram Internal Profile, also helps you to understand the various parts of your heart. Now, when we look at just the main type, there are two parts of the main type. There's the misaligned wounded child, and there is the aligned beloved child. Now, under that, we have four connecting parts. Um, These are types that are connected to your main type, and those comprise of both the wings and the two types that are connected through the lines, which we call Enneagram paths. Now, each of these parts can show up in your daily life and circumstances, either aligned or misaligned, depending on whether you're operating out of that wounded child or the beloved child. Now, it all depends on who's leading, who's driving the bus, right? EIP can help you become more aware of your heart condition, which is so important. Again, that's what God is focusing in on. What is our heart condition? When your wounded child part is leading uh, your whole heart, you're going to see less healthy tendencies pop up. And this is going to negatively affect your relationships and kind of er every area of life. So we want to awaken to become aware of this so that we can surrender, depend, and ask the Holy Spirit to come into us to make ourselves aware of who we are and whose we are. And that is when our beloved child wakes up, shows up, and leads the rest of our heart. And when our beloved child is there and is awake and attuned, it helps the rest of our heart come back to the truth of the gospel. And then we'll see the overflow of our heart is that we uh, live out the fruits of the Spirit, which everyone enjoys, including ourselves. Oh, thanks, Beth. That's uh, super helpful. Well, today on our show, we have two type twos. Yep. Uh, first up is uh, Jordan Cox. Uh, he has worked in student ministry for several years and recently switched over to higher education, where he plans to bring the Enneagram to the college classroom for student and for leadership uh, development. Jordan, so glad you joined us. Thanks a lot for being on the show with us. 
Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Beth. Great to be here. Yeah. And then next is Libby McCord, who is her that? claim to fl- fame is the fact that she's our daughter. Yeah. And so, um, and she is your Enneagram coach's social media manager. She loves all things history, theology, and learning any new creative hobby. Libby, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to be here. You work for us. You didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> that is so and, and the other big news for Libby's life is? I'm engaged. Yay! She is engaged. Yeah. That's right. And uh, she thought maybe that she was going to marry another type two. Uh, but then we he got around the Enneagram coach. And we learned he's a type nine. Yeah, a nine. Right. <laughs> My wife's a yeah. nine. That's so funny. We love that. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, as we mentioned earlier, in episode 119, we did a deep dive into the type two's EIP. Uh, Beth, why don't you give us a brief reminder again about the type two's EIP, mm-hmm. and then we're going to talk to our guests about expounding on each of the parts of it. Yeah. So type twos, they walk through life prioritizing relationships, making sure that the people around them feel well cared for and loved. And they have a genuine interest in others and to come alongside anyone who's in need. Now, their focus of attention is winning the approval of others and feeling their emotions and fulfilling their needs. Now, they protect their image by com- by trying to be completely selfless, loving, and supportive so that others will see them and admire them and love them for it. Now, they're convinced that if they acknowledge and take care of their own needs, then others are going to view them as being selfish and then reject them. That's a big fear for twos is to feel rejected. Now, many of the strengths that they have are that they're generous, warm, caring, empathetic, and they're absolutely loving people. And they tend to bring a very optimistic and joyful viewpoint to life. But we have to remember that each Enneagram type has four core motivations. I gave you a brief overview, but why do they do this? And that's the core motivations. And the core motivations are really going to get to the core of why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So for type twos, We'll get into that. But what we also want to recognize is as we break down their EIP, all the parts that are supporting their type two are also supporting the core motivations of that type two. So everyone's focused on them. They're coming at it from different angles to support, but this is why they're doing it. So type twos, the core motivations are their core fear is being rejected unwanted, being thought of as worthless, needy, inconsequential, dispensable, and unworthy of love. They desire to be appreciated, loved, and wanted, but then they struggle with the core weakness of pride. And this is where they're denying their own needs and emotions while using their strong intuition to discover the needs and emotions of others. And once they do, they confidently insert their helpful support in hopes that others will see what they've done and say how grateful they are for the type two's thoughtful care. Now, the core longing, the message their heart longs to hear is you are wanted and loved. Great. Well, uh, I'd love to ask just uh, what's one thing that you love about being a two? I love that I can predict what people need and that I desire to like help them. Like, it's not just a like, Oh, I feel like I should. It's a constant desire to help other people. Um, I just am so glad that it's like an ease for me and that I can like walk into a room and know people well enough to know how to help them. 
Um, and the healthier I get, the more I know, like helping them can mean stepping away from the situation and or going into it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of like a superpower we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jordan, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with that, Libby, of, of just being able to walk into a room and I'm very people charged. So, you know, to be able to just kind of sense kind of what everyone's needing. And I've been like, I, I like that people have described my personality over the years as an atmosphere changer. So like, mm. you know, coming into the room and just kind of seeing what, the, like being in youth ministry, you just see a bunch of kids or even like a party or whatever. And like, you can just kind of see where everyone's feeling right now. And I'm like, all right, I know what's going to make everyone feel better or make everyone feel included. And that's like, that's always just been super important to me. And I like that analogy, especially in leadership of like, you can change you know, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Like you can read the room, but what you do isn't going to do anything about it. But if you change the elements in the room, that's how you change it. Yeah, that's so good. Well, let's dive into the type two's Enneagram internal profile. Uh, their main type has two parts as to all Enneagram types. Uh, first is the misaligned wounded child and the aligned beloved child. So we're going to start with the wounded child and the type two's wounded child is part of their main type. It's the part of them that is hurt by tragedy, difficult experiences, trauma of simply living in a fallen world. It's the most vulnerable part uh, of the type two. It's the tender part of their hearts. It rea reacts to life from the history of painful experience and the need to protect and provide for ourselves. Beth, why don't you offer a little bit of a description about the wounded child for the type 2? Yeah, so as children, type 2s long to hear that they are wanted and loved from their authority figures. And they feared rejection, kind of like we talked about earlier. And they feared being unwanted and unloved. So they became these little helpers, these little supporters, um, anything they could do to show others that they're being completely selfless, helping, serving, caring for others in hopes that the others, the parents, authority figures will see that and show appreciation, love, and approval to the type two. But the wounded child part also falsely believes that it's not okay to have their own needs and that they're going to be selfish. So what they do is they try to forget their feelings and needs and only give other people what they think they need. And so what they're hoping to do, or what they're l really longing for is this unconditional love and freedom, but they absolutely don't think that's possible. All they think that's possible is if I serve, give, advise, then I will probably be loved. Maybe. I just have to make sure other people see it. So tell us about uh, when you see the wounded part of your heart show up as a type two. I would have to say... Um, when I was, it was, it was definitely a lot more evident when I was younger. And that's kind of like really what helped me discover that I was a two was when I really reflected back on the past. I was like, Oh, some things there. Um, you know, I think that growing up, there was a lot of, you know, it wasn't like a terrible childhood, but I was, um, I will cry forever of middle child <laughs> syndrome. You know, I was one of three, oh. I was one of three brothers. So I yeah. was in the middle. And so, you know, my parents, their attention only had so much. And so like, mm. you know, when my dad's focusing on my older brother, my younger brother was with my mom. And so like, I just felt so like, hello, pay attention to me. Or like when I tried to be the little helper to them, they were like, Jordan, we don't want your help right now. And I'm like, 
ah, you don't want me. And I just like took that as like, you don't want my help at all. And so then I would Uh, start to. Yeah. You almost said it like, you don't want me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, (laughs) Yeah. That is much bigger than. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were yeah. some moments in there. It's like it's it's one of those things of um, you know I just never felt like I fit in between my siblings and like my family. I just said like I always felt like the odd man out, um, and so just like the way my personality was, like I was kind of more you know, I wasn't aggressive, like my older brother. And, and then my younger brother was more of the imaginative type. And I was just like, oh, I was like the feely, you know, kind of like engaging others, people's emotions. But yeah. And then so, you know, that was kind of one of those moments of like, I started to look at other people's affirmations, like teachers and in school and stuff like that. I, like, um, <laughs> this is a short analogy of, so we had this thing called shining star at our elementary school and mm-hmm. instead of me being a normal fifth, fourth grader, being cool and going out on the playground with everyone else, making friends, no, 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 no. I decided to stay inside because I knew that good deeds and services get you this award every, like once a month you get recognized. And so for like the whole entire school year, I would like sacrifice my recess to wipe down the lunch tables and just make sure of like, do they see this? I am wiping yes. tables. Wow. So I, Perfect. It, that oh was one of those, I was just one of those things of like, wow, I really like neglected friendships on a playground for a monthly award. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, did before, you get the award? I, I did after, after three months. And then I stopped because, uh, because oh. they said, you're like, yeah, you I, can only get this once. And I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, Libby, what about yourself? How do you resonate with the idea of wounded child? I mean, your childhood was uh, perfect, perfect <laughs> without yes. tragedy, harm, or anything. So I, I don't know what you talk about. But if you want to talk about something, you're welcome to do so. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. It was perfect. Um, no, yeah, I definitely resonate, especially at school. Um, I'd say I'm a senior now in college, and I feel like I finally am starting to understand what it's like to have a healthy relationship with school and professors. Um, but I always seeked validation of like, am I the perfect student and not just in grades? Like it, it, I mean, it did matter to me in some ways with grades, but like in every way that I acted, like, did they see me as their safe student? That was their fun student to have the one that made their life so much easier. And I had a class that was really difficult on all the teachers. And so to be upheld in that way, meant a lot. And I still carry that a lot in all my classes of like, okay, does this professor actually like me and believe in me and like, find it easy to teach me. Um, And I would say even like, as a kid, I remember just times where I would like clean the house or even like, (laughs) clean y'all's cars just randomly in the morning. I never felt like I had to, but it was just like, in a way, like fun to me, but I was also like, but mom and dad are gonna be happy about this. Like, they're gonna feel loved. And so I always just knew like, what I always thought of like, what are ways that people feel loved and I'll just go do it. Um, and I felt the same way in friendships, um, throughout my life where a lot of my friendships ended up being me being there for people because I was like, well, I don't need to be like, you don't need to be there for me. Like I'm fine. I'm doing great. But as long as I'm helping you, then we'll stay friends. And there have been some times where I stopped helping them as much and multiple times it ended in like big disastrous relationship ending. I don't, I would even say like at the beginning of me dating my fiance, um, I just remember always thinking you're going to realize I'm not as great as you think. Like I just, it always, and there was one night where I, we had ended the FaceTime call and I was going to go to sleep and I just felt like I needed to say, I'm sorry. And I had done nothing wrong, but it just felt like, and I like wrote it down in a journal. Cause I was like, I don't know why I'm feeling this. And it just felt like this internal guilt of like, 
he doesn't know that you're imperfect yet and he's going to figure it out and he's not going to think you're worth mm-hmm. it anymore. And I was like, then, oh my goodness, you have no reason to be rejected. And you're coming up with this fear already of like it going, it's going to happen. Um, is that how, sal- how sassy you get with this wounded part of your heart? It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I really do. I'm like, you, you need, need to, to calm chill. down right now. This is a little bit much. <laughs> you know, like, it, I don't even realize as a two how much, like if I really think about it, there's more times that like probably nine out of 10 times, if I'm fearing something, it is because of rejection. If I go back to the root of it, like I, mm. and I don't like the fact that that is true, but like we're figuring out stuff with his schooling. And I just keep thinking, well, am I making sure that I'm supporting him well enough? Like deep down, I'm like, are you going to make a decision that will hurt him in the future? And that's like which, all I really fear about, which is yeah, like, which just then if he like, realizes I didn't help him and he needed my help, then he'll mm. reject me. Oh yeah. And like, what if, what if in five years he's going to be like, why didn't you support me more in this? Or why didn't you, we do this? And I'm like, I should have known, like I should have known to help you. And so it's just as a two, it's so hard when like this one small thing, it's kind of like the pee under a bunch of mattresses and you're like, that's it. Once again, it's rejection. Like, why can't I just be okay with this? But you know, it it is interesting. We've heard this from the ones and this may, you, you mentioned something about five years in the future, Libby, that, the wounded child seems to live in the past or imagined worst case scenarios in the future. Mm. And whereas the beloved child helps us to live in the present. Um, uh, but Jordan, tell us, uh, what about your thoughts? Uh, how does rejection show up for you? Yeah. I mean, I know for me, when it comes to rejection, anything I did, there was always that like moment of like, Oh, who's, who's watching. And like, you know, it was one of those things of, um, whether it be schooling or, um, job, like if I, even like, I kind of catch that in my like recent years of like a new career path, like switching over to higher education. Um, you know, in ministry, I had like several years on my belt. I'm like, Oh, I'm comfortable with this. And then I switched over to higher ed and like literally the first like mistake and they're like, they Hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm out. I'm fired. Like, this is it. Like I automatically just zoom into that rejection piece of this one action has caused me to fail. And so they don't want me here. They don't want me as a person like peace out. Um, and so that has always just kind of like always floated in the back of my mind. And, and I think it's just because I think most of the time I know for me personally, um, I felt rejection from my family. Um, you know, I, I did get permission to talk about kind of like deeper things in the elements of my family. Like, you know, my dad had a lot of, um, we had a lot of like verbal stuff going on at home. And so like, I was, I was called worthless. I was cold, like, you know, I was not wanted and like, you know, or my actions and things like that. And so I felt that for my parents. And so I had this rejection that, you know, if I don't feel wanted by someone else in the world or the church or wherever, like if I don't have that, then, then who's going to want me. And so I always kind of like operated out of that mindset that like, all right, for sure. Family, unfortunately, like feels like they don't want me. And even though it was said deep down, I know it's not true now, but back then I was like, this is real. And so I would like look at everything else in the world of like, okay, well, who's going to want me now? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot 
to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. You know, for all of us, we spend so much time trying to avoid the feelings around these wounded parts of our hearts. But oftentimes, these are the very places where we experience the truth of the gospel in profound ways. Uh, and so these experiences become invitations. And so now we're going to talk about the beloved child. Um, the The beloved child part is the part of us that knows the truth of the gospel and what Christ has fully done for us uh, in his life, death, and resurrection, where the gospel satisfies the core longing of each of our types. The security that comes from knowing the truth can lead to a relationship with God that is all satisfying, joyous, and overflows into every area of our life and relationships. So, Beth, why don't you uh, define again, but this time for beloved child and what that looks like for the type 2. Yeah, so for type twos, your beloved child knows who you are, how God created you, and whose you are. So this is the spirit-led self, and this part of your heart knows that you are unconditionally loved and wanted by Christ because of all that he has done for you. It's based on his sacrifice, his righteousness, and this frees you from the feeling of feeling rejected shamed and selfish. And it's here that your heart is going to be fully at rest and delight in the fact that you have this good shepherd caring for you, nurturing you, um, cherishing you to the nth degree. And this enables you to then to extend the same love and care to others without needing anything in return, without needing that approval, without um, making sure you're not going to be rejected because that security rests solely in Christ. So let's talk about the beloved child. When do you see this, uh, your spirit-filled self, show up in your life? So it's funny when... uh, That that was an interesting laugh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was laughing about, like, I was thinking of the the (laughs) instructional video you guys sent out of, like, you named your, like, beloved uh, and wounded child. So, like, my wounded child, I was like, I call him, well from that I call him George, which is ironic because I was like the only two people who call me that were my dad who I felt the most rejection from, but then also one of my like closest best friends as a kid. And like that kind of like captured, she's, she just loves the world. She's kind of like that six wing seven. And so she sees the innocence and everything and like her people. So like George was my wounded. And then my beloved child is Jay Cox. I got that nickname in high school. And so I just like, come alive when, when it's like an awesome rapper name yeah that's, cool. <laughs> that's awesome so you know i just feel oh, fun. most like 
I don't know. I feel most whole when I'm like fully aligned in the gospel and as the beloved. And that's where I feel like most Jay Cox-esque. Um, is that, can we make that a verb now? Jay Cox-esque? Yeah, oh, right. ab- yeah. It, it is now. It. Absolutely. <laughs> Done. I'm um, going to name my beloved self that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like, it's just so wild of, of just knowing that like, to know that I can just use my gifts and what God has equipped me to do to make others feel, you know, you know, I think that's one of those things that like we, we put our own needs on the back burner to help others feel wanted. But like, when you look at it in the whole, like, well, I can make you feel part of a community or like, you know, a body or something that that is so important. And like, that's so wholesome and healing to others. And even if that's not your like childhood hurt or whatever, it's, it's so rewarding to know like, Oh, this is what the body of Christ could feel like. This is what like the church could feel like. And so to do that with no strings attached and just knowing that like, Hey, and then, I'm sure um, Jeff, you've experienced this in the church. You as well, Beth, of like, you know, you're not going to please everyone. And so it's just one of those things of like, hey, it's okay. Like, I still love you Mm -hmm. in the way Jesus loves me. And we offer grace. And I think that's one of the biggest things of I offer more grace myself. I offer more grace at Jay Cox than I do George. George, I'm very hard on and, and he's in return hard on me. That's right. But, you know, when I'm able to offer grace myself, then I'm able to recognize my emotions, my needs, and I'm able to verbalize that out loud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Libby, what about you? Um, I think the name I would have for my beloved child is Bibby. Um, it's what I used to call myself (laughs) and then what people called me as a kid. Um, and then actually for like a year or two, some of my best friends in high school called me that and like got to the point where it'd be weird if they heard the name Libby, but it's more so I just think of like, the moments where it's almost like childlike excitement to do something in life. And it's like in <laughs> seeing that part of my heart come out of like, I'm doing something because I want to, like I'm helping someone cause I want to, it's never that the exact thing has changed. It's the way I'm going about going into it and wanting affirmation from it. Yes. And so for me, it's like whenever I am recently, I've been trying to hang out with one friend a week because I've been just so busy with work and school. And so when I go into it and it's like, oh no, I really am excited to hang out with this person. I'm like, yay. Like, I don't feel like I'm pressured to hang out with them or I feel like I need to do this so that everyone else thinks I'm doing my life right. And that I'm handling graduating and getting married at the same, like the right space. And so it's just that, like, whenever I get a help with certain things for work, I realized when I first started, I was saying yes to everything and that was Mm. not great. And so the more I've realized I'm going into work excited, even if it's still overwhelming and exhausting, but when I'm able to check my heart and realize like, this is just because it's work, like it can be exhausting. It's not, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Like I can tell my verbiage changes too. I get to do this. I'm really excited, but I do need some rest and I'm going to schedule that right after, you know? And so that's just, whenever I see Bibby show up, that's always a good sign. Yeah. And I would, just being your mom, I would say where I've, because now that you're describing it, I I just had all these, you know. Oh, uh, I, I can feel it in yeah, my body like, and memory. Like, yes. It's- like, for instance, um, Libby is amazing at being, she's very hospitable. She can cook and bake and do all these amazing things. But I will know, I will say, I think when your wounded child was activated, you would do those things, but you would talk about being overwhelmed or you know there's all the stuff you have to do kind of like this oh my gosh you know which is understandable yeah or shut down yeah but when i think about the times you're doing the exact same thing but your heart was at rest you were 
joyful and excited to do it. And it didn't matter who enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. Like you were just enjoying the whole process of giving of yourself. Like I can just think about like you making macaroons, which by the way, Libby makes amazing macaroons. (laughs) And that's an extremely hard thing to make. It's not like, you know, you just kind of whip some macaroons together. There's a whole process. Libby just whips them together. Yeah, well. Hundreds of them actually. But. But I can just see you, like, if I'm just thinking about that, like, and it could be that there are times that you make macaroons and you're overwhelmed because you said yes when you shouldn't have. That would be the wounded. But when I see you saying yes to things and you're excited, I I can just picture you enjoying the whole process, which, as you know, I don't understand because as a nine, I'm like, that's exhausting. Like, why are you putting all this? Let's go. Let's just go to Sam's and buy macaroons. And she's like, Beth sometimes gets overwhelmed because I have a lot of meetings. (laughs) I do. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed just thinking about why is he on the phone again? Why is Libby doing that again? Can't everybody just stop? Like, don't you guys just want the easy way out? Like, we can just go to Sam's and buy them. And she's like, Mom, no, I want to like, I yeah, want to you? love through the process. So all that to be said, I just want to paint that picture for people to see twos can do the exact same thing externally. So making the macaroons or offering advice to someone, um, from both a misaligned and aligned way. But I love how you guys have pictured it, like this joyful excitement of like, you know, and being almost childlike and and just wanting to get in there and serve, but knowing it's okay if they don't want to receive it the way that I'm offering it. I'm just enjoying this whole process. Mm-hmm. So this thanks for capturing that. It's just yeah. such a, a sweet way of seeing the healthy side of two. For sure. Well, now we're going to go into the connecting uh, types or the connecting parts, and we're going to start with the wings, uh, which are the two types directly next to your main type. And for the type two, that's the type one and the type three. Uh, the type one part is objective, detail-oriented, and serious. It focuses on improving the world and lives for uh, of others by serving them uh, more quietly from behind the scenes versus desiring to stand out for praise. When your wing one part is misaligned and trying to protect your wounded child, you may notice a few things about that uh, that show up. Uh, one, controlling others with moral intensity and patience and demandingness uh, to accept uh, your advice. Maybe struggling with self-condemnation, guilt, or negative self-talk, particularly if you're proved wrong or selfish. Feel internally conflicted between moral principles and your heart for people, uh, particularly those in need. So, Beth, can you share some uh, examples of when this one wing would show up, but under the leadership of the beloved child versus the wounded? Yeah, absolutely. So, when the type twos, when your type one wing shows up, but under the leadership of the beloved, what you're going to see is that it no longer needs to use unhealthy strategies to protect the wounded child. And instead, you're going to notice some things like this, where you give the most ideal and best service to others without needing that praise and recognition. So it's combining both service and help, but with um, principles, with ideals of the one. Um, you're also going to ha- be an excellent teacher that focuses on being warm and connecting, but also giving values and principles to those that you're teaching. And then another thing is just um, understanding what self-care looks like. So setting up healthy boundaries, knowing what's yours, what's not yours, um, setting up those boundaries so that you take care of yourself um, and then allowing the the overflow to bless others. 
So Libby and Jordan, can you just share with us some of the healthy or aligned and some of the misaligned parts of your type one wing and how it shows up? (laughs) Have you ever had one of those? um, We did this in elementary school and maybe this is just a small Christian school thing, but (laughs) where the teachers like predict your future careers. And so, (laughs) and so I remember the teachers at my school predicted me be like, pastor, teacher, counselor. And I'm like, absolutely not. No way. And like, and then in reality, like I love, you know, one of the main things I want to do with the Enneagram and working in higher ed is like teaching others life. Like we had those exploratory, like intro classes of like, Hey, here's what college is like. Here's what life is like. You know, I thrive in those. Um, and so I really enjoy doing that. And I, I think it's one of those things of, I know that I can give my best in those situations and not have to like, I I feel like I don't have to correct as much like, or, you know, especially in a teaching aspect, like, you know, it's discussion is classroom conversation and you're talking and there might be some like, all right, well, we need to like curve the conversation this way because you're, you're going that way. Um, Yeah. So, but it's in that aspect of being beloved that um, I'm able to receive and listen a little bit more versus if I was on the misaligned wounded portion, I would like, instantly want to correct that be like absolutely not we are not like we're not thinking that or like you know you're wrong so that's kind of like the two that i see especially in that like kind of teaching aspect yeah yeah Libby, what about you how does the one show up in your life both uh misaligned and aligned i think um the one it can be that wing usually functions a lot more internally for me um Mm. and so either it can be really really helpful in directing me in life and Um, me and my counselor call that part discernment, um, and speaking like what it can be. Cause I want to make sure it's a positive name. I'm just like, I always see it as a teacher in my head, like literally middle-aged woman teacher. And I'm sitting in a desk and either it's going to give me like when I sit in, I'm a history major. So when I sit in history class, I light up, I'm so excited and I get to learn. And so with my job, I see that when I'm gathering information and I can decide like, Hey, this may not be right. This may, and I can detect that and help people with seeing things that could be wrong or like help correct things. But the one comes out really horribly when she comes from discernment to correction. And it literally internally looks like a teacher yelling at me, like you did this wrong. Why wouldn't you? Or like handing over like an F on the test. And, and so for me, I've had to like speak to that of like, why do I feel like that rejection comes in of like, you have to do this right. How dare you like do this wrong? Like, and then it'll come against other people because I'll start correcting everyone else around me to try and make up for the fact that I did something wrong so that I know mm-hmm. I won't be rejected. Um, sure. so, so yeah. Like when you got off the phone, um, with your fiance that one time and you're like, I need to apologize that you would have been experiencing this one part of your heart. Yes. Yeah. Like definitely the one just speaking like whatever lie to me and having to check in of like, is this actually discernment? Like, did I actually do something wrong? And speaking to it and saying like, I do understand this is great because at one point I will do something wrong and I do need to apologize to him. But right now you are not helping me. Like you're only making me feel rejected and he's never spoken that to me. So now there's a disconnect in our relationship that he doesn't know. And I don't understand, but if I let it fester, will create a problem because I'm going to be living out of rejection and not actually how he loved me and cared for me. So then when you bring the beloved part of that, the discernment part, it totally changes the conversation inside, right? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how interesting is that, that even in the same moment, it is both the part that's getting you spun out, and yet it's also the part to say, well, 
let's let's reconsider this. Like, did you actually do anything? Is this even real? Yeah, Which the, is discernment. Because yeah. ones bring wisdom and insights. And so yes. if you yeah. can bring that one part back into alignment, you can say, no, wait, hold on, on a second. Like, let's look at this from, you know, a discerning, wise perspective. And, okay, you know what? I'm feeling something. Maybe I just need to bring this up to my fiance and just make sure, get clarifying information so that I don't get spun off, or at least that he knows that this is a part of me that can kind of come online sometimes, and I don't even know why or when, but at least he can recognize it or help me to um, stay in what's true versus this false narrative. That's really that's really great. Well, so now let's talk about the three wing, and the type three wing for the two is outgoing, affirming, friendly, self-assured, doesn't want to be exposed as a failure or feel worthless. Uh, it supports their main types by creating connections with others through accomplishment mm. and winning the affection of others yeah. and uh, meeting other people's needs. When the wing three part is misaligned and trying to protect the wounded child, you may notice a few things. People pleasing to gain higher status and admirable friendships uh, and to feel more valuable and successful. Maybe feel less aware of how you name drop, flatter, charm, and draw attention to yourself to win admiration, or ignore, suppress your feelings so that you can focus on your self-worth in the eyes of others. But when your three-part trust um, Christ and his good news, the beloved child will come back into leadership, and it now no longer needs to use unhealthy strategies to protect the wounded child. Instead, it's going to bring on some really amazing attributes, like offering uh, the fullness of all of your abilities, talents, and gifts as an overflow of your heart um, without needing recognition. So it's it's not, oh, everyone look at me. It's, oh, I know I have this. Let me give it to you. There's this confidence, this godly confidence to give and to serve. Um, and then there's, again, that self-assurance, the energetic feeling that you have to impart to others what God has given you. Um, and then that you make every effort to understand your emotions and others' needs as well. Because, And that's really key because the type two is repressing their feelings and threes are suppressing it. So it's almost the same. The threes are like, oh, that gets in my way. And the twos are like, no, that's being selfish. But when your beloved comes online, it's like, no, we need to know our authentic self and serve out of that. So just from that, guys, um, can you share a little bit about when your type three part comes in either misaligned and aligned? I am heavy on the wing three that I just started recognizing uh-huh. my one a little bit more in the recent years. But like, yeah, when people look at Jordan or Jay Cox, they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's a two wing three in there. Um, <laughs> and so when I was, you know, kind of in and out of college and just trying to figure out life, I actually use like my careers as like a crutch or to make like worth in that. So like I use um, student ministry as my identity for the longest time. Like if I didn't succeed in that. And like I said, it wasn't so much performance based of like, Oh, I want to be like the greatest youth pastor there ever was. No, it's like, I wanted to succeed and have everyone like me because otherwise they would reject me. And so Mm. that's where my really, my wounded child came out was in my career path. Um, even in like, I don't know, I, I think it's one of those things I look back on my, you know, childhood of like, I was told to be quiet and like not express myself. And so that's where I kind of got that thing of like, well, I can't really be truly Jordan. And so I'm going to suppress that. And then I got like, I was able to kind of separate myself from my family for a little bit. And I wanted like, I'm like, I want the whole world to know me. And so like, I prided myself on like 
making the most friends, like social media followers, like blah, blah, blah. And like all this different stuff. And I'm like, and then I would name drop and be like, oh, I know this person. Like, or like when people would connect with me on social media, like, how do you know this person? Like, oh yeah. Like, I'm like, I went to summer camp with them for five days once a year. Like, you know, that's not a real relationship or I really don't know them. But I use that to kind of gain advantage and to like gain their trust so that they would want me like, oh, I would want to be friends with him because he has that connection. So I definitely see that in my in my wounded child aspect in the three. But when it becomes beloved, man, oh, man, I like this is where I love to like um, come what We talked earlier about like coming alive. Like I love event planning. Like I am. Woohoo, I am the uh, high school reunion planner for my class. And I get... (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) Yes. So I get so excited when it like talks about like getting our class together, making this like big event and whatever. And and then even just looking at my jobs now or even like kind of honing and becoming more mature in myself and and maturing in Christ of knowing that, you know, I'm more... I want to be a resource for others. Like I, I I know that for a fact, like that's why I didn't go into counseling because I would get too connected to their emotions. I'm like, Oh no, sorry, too, too deep for me, sir. But what I can do is I can connect you to the appropriate resources. And so that's why I like being like, kind of like the switchboard of like, let me hear your heart. Let me feel your emotions. And let me connect you to where you're going to get help. And I, I like being a bridge for others. Like, I think that's where I'm the healthiest is when I'm bridging for others and not being their savior or thinking that like, I have to save them. And because I know their needs, I'd rather be a bridge for them to find that out for themselves. It's a beautiful way of putting it. Libby, what about you? Um, I think the unhealthy part of my three comes out when I'm wanting to do absolutely everything. <laughs> um, because <laughs> I realize I just, I, and my parents will know this. I, and I said this, I love just creative hobbies. And so I've taught myself a lot. Um, there was one time last year during the pandemic that we thought two of my roommates had COVID. So I taught myself the, um, Adobe illustrator and I still use it. Like within two days, I was like, I might as well learn it. Somebody may need me to do it. So why not? And so like all of my hobbies are like, I've learned it. And so now like there'll be people who have asked me like, Oh, can you make this graphic? I'm like, yeah, no, I know how to use it. Yeah. I can do that for you. And, and so when it, the three comes in, it's like, you have to be successful in everything you do so that people actually accept you. So it's not just, can I do it? It's I have to succeed in it perfectly and so if i were to get a bad grade in something or if i were to be told by a boss like you're not doing this well whole world crashes in a moment like i will like (laughs) panic of like oh my goodness i'm gonna get rejected and there have been times where i literally have thought like professors have hated me because i didn't get a good grade and they really didn't care like they knew i was a great student they were like yeah no you just didn't do well like there's one time i didn't get a grade and i came up i was like i'm so sorry i don't know how i like missed these things she's like yeah i don't know either just do them and I'll give you the points. And like, she literally just like knew like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't. And I thought she was going to hate me. Like, how could this student not do well? Uh, enough? Well, it's just so sad that you felt like you needed to apologize. Like it somehow burdened her as a teacher. Oh yeah. yeah. I still like have to battle that. But then when the three comes out, it's like in a healthy way, I mm-hmm. get so excited. I've realized that the most with actually working for YEC and I brag about my coworkers all the time, which if anyone doesn't know the YEC coworkers, they should all know every single person because like I feel that inner energetic three and that like almost childlike joy come out when I'm doing my job. And there's of course moments of fear of like, I'm one of the youngest, if not the youngest worker at YEC and I'm just now starting this career and I'm trying my best. But I see the like, I can 
say like, no, I can do this. And if I don't do it perfectly, I feel that safety of like, they'll tell me and we'll figure it out. And that's one of the first times in my life that I've worked to get there. And I've been in a community that fosters that where I can say, oh yeah, no, I don't really know how to use this. And some of you like, okay, cool. Well, just get a meeting with me and I'll help you figure it out. Whereas before Mm -hmm. I would have like watched a million YouTube videos to figure it out, (laughs) never ask anyone for help. And then just say that I know how to do it and pray that I don't make a mistake. Um, And so I realized that the other day I was leaving campus and I'm like full-time student and I'm working like 25, 30 hours trying to get married. And like, it just is a lot. And I realized I was like, wow, I've been handling this really well. Like I'm okay if there's some things that don't work out perfectly. And I've Mm -hmm. learned to speak more gently to myself. Whereas before, if I even had half that load of work, I would have never been able to act that way internally and have a better internal monologue. So that's great. Uh, Libby, I'm curious uh, if your uh, one wing is the teacher and you're sitting in the desk, uh, how do, what does the three show up? Is it just, is it just the phrase? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. It kind of like, to me almost seems like a runner. Like it's like the runner's just like, yeah, no, I can keep running. And sometimes you think that you're in like a runner's high and you're like my unhealthy three. It's definitely not. And it's like, no, but we're going to mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> Like I recently watched a YouTube video of this girl who ran for 24 hours straight. And I was like, that's my unhealthy three. Like it says, (laughs) (laughs) no matter what, you will prepare yourself, but it will destroy your entire body. A perfect example. And I usually don't uh, type characters a lot, you know, but I think for me and there will be disagreement. That's okay. Such a nine. Like, I don't want to make anyone unhappy, but I have an opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but Leslie Nope, I think, yes. is a perfect example yes. of a two and a three wing. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the gifts she gives are crazy excessive, yes. and twos are amazing at giving gifts, and she won't say no. But then the principle of the one you see in her comes out, and the fun, and you know, the the two fun and the optimism and caring for people, but. But yeah, she definitely doesn't want to say no, and she doesn't want to like lose on whatever. Uh, park project she has you know like she is going to go to the nth degree but it's all because she's wanting to help and serve people right. yeah but well actually and i just want to go back just for a second um for those that are listening that are type twos so i'm also connected to one and three um as a type nine uh one is a wing as well and then three is connected to my path line um but as you guys were talking one thing that i've had to discern because i know when i'm talking about which part is operating in me at a certain moment mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, oh, is that, is that one? You know, and I'm like, usually when I'm like, no, that's not one. That's type three. And some people are like, okay, what's the difference? Well, I see my type three as the, the overarching theme is you're not good enough. That is the, like, you should, you should be successful. You should be achieving it's It's in that framework. Whereas the one it's about being good, right, and moral, balanced, all those things. So it's more like you're not right. You're wow. wrong. So it, it's Natalie the, is the one who creates the superwoman. Yeah. So my three part is like we can do all things. Like, you know, let's put on, you know, confidence where there should be none. And let's just go for it. You know, and like you can do it. Like just keep working hard and and, and pushing yourself. And then people might be warning, you know, me of burnout. It's like, no, what? No, we're just going to keep going. It's fine. And, you know, then all of a sudden you do. Um, 
And so I, I think that for the twos that are out there to recognize the different messages of the three and the one, the three is, again, about that success and achieving and what do people see. The one is not about really what people see. It's about principles, ethics, morals, procedures, uh, right, wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, now let's go to the two paths, and we'll be doing the same here. But for the type two, uh, they are connected to type eight and to type four. Yep. Now, in the basics of the Enneagram, it's typically taught that uh, one of these is a stress path, another one's a growth path. Uh, one's healthy, the other's not. But we w- we're going to change it up a little bit mm-hmm. because we're going we can access both of these parts in healthy and unhealthy ways when they're operating out of w- the misaligned wounded child or the aligned beloved child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth, why don't we start off with type eight? Yeah. And uh, let's. I'm I'm really interested because this is one of the first parts that uh, Libby got to uh, got to name in her life. Oh, yeah. and so I'm excited <laughs> to hear her share about her type eight. So the type eight part of your heart for type twos is this very resourceful part. It's decisive. It has a lot of drive and they're natural leaders and they champion other people by providing protection and just plowing a path for them. But the type eight can show up in a misaligned way when the wounded heart is activated. And this is where the eight part of your heart can be more confrontational, uh, irritable, angry, um, that might feel that my love and support is being ignored and unappreciated, and I'm being rejected, which can then trigger being more controlling, demanding, um, uh, making sure that other people see what you're offering, and making sure that they offer the appropriate affirmations that you've been seeking. Um, a lot of times, twos, whether they recognize or not, they're doing something when they're misaligned in order to get a very specific kind of affirmation. And recognizing when that doesn't happen, how are they um it could be coercing, it could be manipulating, it could be passive aggressive. What are they doing to try to get that message? And the eight is going to be a little bit more forceful in that. Um, but also you might avoid being vulnerable. So the eight part um, is usually it has more of a strong exterior and because it fears that it's going to be taken advantage of and that others are going to really reject you or a loved one. And when it's rejecting a loved one in particular, um, what we say is the mama bear comes online. So, you know, like when a, when a bear, when their little cub is being maybe threatened, you know, everyone knows what a mama, a mama bear is going to be like. And type twos, when they go to their eight in an unhealthy way, that mama bear definitely comes out. Well, I, I can't wait to hear about that. But Jeff, why don't you share about the type eights beloved uh, part of their heart? Yeah, whenever the type eight is under the gospel aligned leadership of the beloved child, you may notice a few things. Uh, first, vulnerability—you're able to share more vulnerably uh, what's happening inside your emotions, your needs, uh, with directness and with emotional balance. It may be you shift from your focus from people pleasing to doing what's actually best, uh, not only for everyone else but also for yourself. Next, you may feel a sense of independence from other people. You're self-affirming, courageous, strong, and self-confident in all the abilities that God has given you. So, Libby, why don't we uh, start with you first and tell us about your type 8 part in its healthy ways and unhealthy ways. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I've been in counseling for a couple of years, and one of the first parts we named was my 8 part. 
Um, and she's named Elizabeth, which is my full name. And we called her Elizabeth because it's the only one that I've been able to name very quickly. And I called it Elizabeth because it's a queen name. And it to me is like a queen either it can do she can do whatever she wants. But either that's for people or against people, but it doesn't matter. She can do it like nobody can say anything about it. That's just what's going to happen. Um, and so I, I know as, as a two, when I know for me, when anger comes up, I immediately want to start crying. Um, because, and I've linked that to my immediate like thing is sadness of disconnection. Like we are no longer connected because there's something wrong. Um, whether that's in life or within relationship. And so for me, but the eight can then plow through that and be like, nobody's going to see that I'm sad and all emotion will be lost. And something is going to happen. Like we're going to either work through this or I'm going to completely disconnect from you. Or I can allow that softness to show and that vulnerability, knowing that whether or not that person rejects me through showing it, I'm still safe. Um, and so as a kid, I started to the practice of I'd write in my notes app what I wanted to say to someone. Um, and of course, like when you're first angry at them, you can say a lot of things you don't want to or just a lot of things that you realize is wrong with you. And so I would write that down and then I would give it a day. And I'd look back and be like, okay, what is right? Like, what do I need to say? And what do I not need to? Um, and I remember. Libby, is that, are those sirens near you? That's me. That's Sorry. Me. I live in the city. <laughs> and I kind of muted. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's no so, that's... When your eight comes online, <laughs> that's when the sirens go off. <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. So sorry, sorry about that, Libby, but I just wanted to recognize it. Um, so keep going. Um, so yeah. And so there was a time recently we, um, had a roommate who moved out who had texted us something that wasn't nice. And instantly my eight came up because it was a text against my roommates, not just me. And I mama bear came out of like, first of all, extremely rude, not okay at all. But then it was like, you can't attack my friends. And my roommates, like we instantly all met in the living room of like, what just happened? And I said, don't respond. I'm going to text. And they all looked at me and they're like, all right. And they just trusted it. And they knew they didn't even ask to see it. And I texted her and they knew like it would. And it took me a moment because I had to check. Okay. I need to know that I'm sad and I'm going to express that to her. And this doesn't need to come out of just straight, like brute anger. This can come out of a, like, you are losing connection with us. And I don't know why. And that's how I responded. And it wasn't a, I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to name call you. It's I'm going to express my heart and like how saddening this is, but also you can't do this. And I did say that I was like, you can't treat people like this. I'm not going to accept this kind of treatment from somebody. And so even I've, I've seen this in relationships before my fiance of like, I am willing to betray myself time and time again. And when my eight has come out, it's like this voice of like, this isn't right. This isn't right. And the the rest of my two is like, but I'll be rejected if I point this out. And so I've had to learn to trust that eight of you're not going to just hold those people. You're actually going to stand up for myself when I don't want to. Um, And so that's just been really helpful as a two. Okay. Oh, I got to get to something first. I've been waiting. Yeah, I remember as a little girl, okay, as your soccer coach. Oh, okay. This is another one. Okay. I have another story. You would start to cry when you became competitive. Yeah. 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 And I know like for me, it was, it was just that anger of like, I don't like feeling angry at people. I don't like my competitive competitiveness coming out in people this way. Cause I was like 
frustrated. Like I was like, yeah. I am going to hit your shins. Like you are going down. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be clean That's anymore. Awesome. I didn't it's know a- that the tears were hiding violent tendencies. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> But in kindergarten, we get a call from her teacher to come oh, in. That's right. You remember this? About that. Yeah. Yes. And there's her this kid. There's this, this boy who would chase her friends around uh, recess, and they were really frustrated. Like they didn't want to be chased, but he kept chasing them. And she literally took him by the winter <gasps> coat and tossed him. <laughs> and the teacher was like, "Um, totally see why she did that, but we still can't do that. <laughs> so can you talk to her?" And I was like. So it was kind of hard because it was like, good for you, Libby, you know, That's right. but that was definitely mama bear coming out. Cause the kid, the kid wasn't messing with Libby, you know, and knew yeah. not to mess with Libby. Um, but that was definitely so funny. that ate like, Oh no, you are not doing this to my friends. Yeah. I think as a two, it's one of the most helpful things to name the eight because as a two, we want to re- like, we're willing to reject ourselves if it means somebody else won't reject us. And that eight mm-hmm. is not willing to sacrifice that. Um, and so I know even going into my relationship with my fiance, it's the first relationship I've ever been like, I'm not going to reject myself anymore because I know you will accept it. If I tell you, I want to be treated a certain way. And so he's gotten more of blunt Libby than any other guy in my life ever has, because (laughs) I know it's safe, but it's never a like rude, like, like you cannot do this, like yelling at him. It's a like, Hey, no, I don't like that. Like, actually that didn't make me feel super great. Can we change this? Or just an honesty of like, Hey, this can trigger this fear of mine or something that's happened in the past. Can And I've always seen him meet that or realize like, oh, wow, this means a lot to her instead of my mm-hmm. fear of I need to reject myself so that that person won't reject me because I realize that person is not worth staying in my life if they're not willing to be with truly who I am and what I need. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jordan, let's hear about your eight. <laughs> well, uh, for the- <laughs> For the longest time, I also tried to avoid the eight in me just because for for the longest time, I was always wounded. Like I, I just, I like, I was never aggressive. I was never, or I was afraid to become aggressive because it, rind, it reminded me of my dad and our unhealthy past. Yeah. And so I was always like, Ooh, you're, you're becoming like that. I got, got to pump the brakes, got to pump the brakes. Um, and, and it's funny. I don't know, Livy, if you feel like this way, but I feel like my, wings are more so for everyone else in the world. And then my past, like the four and the eight, they're like for the people that are closest to me. Like they're the ones who truly get to see that. And so, mm-hmm. so when I look at the eight, I'm like, I only really see the uh, wounded portion when it's with the people that are closest to me, either like super close family or super close friends. And so it's one of those things of, I've learned that when I'm coming to the defense of others. I can do it in a healthy manner. Um, you know, I think I've definitely grown into that as a husband in these last four years of having to defend my wife and to, um, you know, really stand up for Steph every once in a while. And so that was kind of one of those things that like, I never, I kind of just like, well, if I bring something up, then that means there's tension. And that's like that weird, like, were twos, but also nines of like nines trying to keep the peace and twos like, well, I want to keep the peace because I still want to be your friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really just kind of grown into that aspect of um, finding that. But I do, I see those moments of um, learning to see that even with like, I don't know, even with seeing when God kind of like 
talks to us or like when we're kind of like striving to do our own thing, um, you know, he's the one who's like correcting or like, you know, he is vocalizing like, well, like this is where the boundary is. And so I think that's one of the things of AIDS, the A portion of me has helped me when it's aligned to set boundaries. Because otherwise, if I, you know, I'm, I'm always like, you know, what we said before, I will, I will also just, here's, here's Jordan in high school. I was voted most involved, always saying yes. <laughs> yes. So literally just mm-hmm. spreading myself to the thinnest of thins. And that's why whenever I would burn out or like fizzle out, it would be because I said yes too much and I didn't know how to set a line and I didn't know how to set a boundary. Yeah. So I think that's where my eight really comes in. And just when it's aligned in the gospel of like being able to say no and like, not having that rejection of like, all right, well, you know, I, I've, I had a one friend recently tell me of like, if they feel like that your friendship is going to get cost because you finally vocalize something for the first time, it's like, you thank God for the season that you had them in, in your life. And then you just say, Hey, I hope wish you the best. So mm-hmm. that's been super helpful to kind of just reflect on those relationships and friendships over the years. Cause I would, I would try to please everyone to make sure that they wanted me and wanted to be my friend. But now when I look at those, I'm like, is this really, were those the ones who would push me to not set a boundary? Or were they the kind of people who are like, Ooh, we're going to keep on. We know Jordan will say yes to this. Um, right. You know, so that kind of really helps me to put a stop to it. Like, yeah, not today. And I even do that with like ministry. Like I said, yes to serving all the time. Like they're like, mm-hmm. I went to a new church and they're like, Oh, you'd be really good with student ministry. I'm like, I'm aware. So yes, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's just That's one of those things of like to like learning to say no. Like, all right, we're in a season of life right now that we said no to ministry. Like, we need to get, we need to get yeah. poured into both of us. Like me and my wife. Well, it's it's important for the twos to recognize this healthy part of the eight and. Eights are really good at delegating. Yes, um, they see the big picture and they know and they they know they don't want to do all the details. The eights are big picture people. So they'll delegate. And so I think as a two, when you start hearing a lot of asks or seeing a lot of needs, it would be really amazing to just take a step back and maybe even write them all down and go, okay, what is God calling me to? Mm -hmm. And where can I get help into this? That's not just me. Like, how can I delegate it out? Um, That way you're not spread so thin. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's where the eight part can really shine in you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this last part, and that is the type four part of our lives. Now, the type four part for the two uh, lives primarily in the imagination and feelings. Deep down, it has an idealized vision of the person that it desires to become. Uh, but it feels like it's tragically flawed and lacks qualities that others possess. It supports your main type by giving you profound depth and authenticity, a necessary component for developing healthy connections and relationships with others. When our type four parts as type twos are misaligned and trying to protect the wounded child, you may notice a few things. Uh, first, feeling rejected because others are not listening to or accepting your help and feeling that they don't understand how difficult it is to be so helpful to others. Yeah. I mean, what that's such an interesting statement. <laughs> don't know how difficult it is to be me mm-hmm. yeah right like yeah you um, don't know how hard it is it to be stretched dramatic. thin like oh my gosh you don't understand <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you don't understand how spread thin i am or you don't understand how busy so, i am so one of the things about eip that 
uh, it sheds light on the different voices and characterizations of these parts of our mm-hmm. heart. So, yeah. you know, Libby's got a mega marathon runner uh, <laughs> in her head. She's got a teacher in her head. And, and just uh, seeing you uh, do that, Jordan, like that that's your four part. <laughs> He's so emotional. Gosh. <laughs> Literally, I like, cry. Like when it, when you hear like or ABC the home makeover show when they said move that buzz, I'm like, uh, uh, like <laughs> always sobbing. I mean, even but even mannerisms that yes. we use when yeah. we describe these, like that that is the voice. Yeah, because each of head. these parts bring an energy and a perspective. Yeah, we talked to mm-hmm. a one once talking about his inner critic, and it was like this thirty speakeasy gangster guy <laughs> putting him down. Mocking him, I'm like, wow, yep. that is so specific. Yep, yep. Well, another thing you might notice whenever your four is out of alignment with the truth of the gospel is that withdrawing when you feel moody, melancholy, or misunderstood uh, to protect your reputation and work out of your own emotions alone. Uh, or you could be daydreaming about becoming free of always needing to be helpful and to be selfless. Well, Beth, why don't you talk about what it means for the four part to be gospel aligned under the leadership of the beloved self? Absolutely. Well, things that you might notice is that you're going to actually enjoy resting in the beauty of like nature, um, allowing your creativity and feelings to emerge and to actually really experience them. Um, Temporarily set aside helping others, just temporarily. I know one or twos are like, wait, what? So just temporarily um, (laughs) to set aside time to be more. Um, to help yourself have more self-care, practicing intentionality in your scheduling, processing those feelings, um, and really just kind of like, again, looking at your whole schedule and seeing where am I stretching myself too thin and why? Like, what's really going on? Is this healthy or is this um, out of fear? Is this the wounded or is this the beloved child schedule? Because the thing I hear the most from twos is, I'm so busy. Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. And I'm like, you know, as a nine, I'm like, you don't have to be so busy. (laughs) You can chill and relax. the compliant nine who's always too busy (laughs) doing what other people do. Yeah, but. I love that it was like a trip. (laughs) Oh, it's totally different. Totally different. But yeah, that that's my type nine. I was like, just chill and relax. <laughs> Is that how your type nine talks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to say yes to people. You don't. You don't. <laughs> you, have to, you have to make them happy. Uh, right. <laughs> but you don't have to say yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and so then also just, you know, sitting with others in difficult emotions without trying to give them unsolicited help. So that can be kind of hard for two, but it's such a beautiful place because fours do this just like, it's just what they do. But as a two, they're, they're thinking, I need to advise, I need to support, I need to nurture, I need to need, need, need. And yet the best thing to do in those moments is just to sit and listen and allow the person to be and to ask curious questions and allow them to go in whatever path that they need to go in. And then if it is um, the right, healthiest, appropriate um, moment to ask if they would like some advice or ask if they, you know, hey, uh, would it be okay if I gave some thoughts, you know? And sometimes the answer is going to be no, and it's not a rejection. And that's when the beloved part of the two with the four ring comes in and go, oh, that's okay. Yeah, let's just sit here with this. So guys, tell us a little bit about what it's like when the misaligned and aligned part four shows up for you. Hmm. The unhealthy one always came out when I was like trying to 
wrestle with like kind of like when things weren't the way they were supposed to be, if that makes sense. So like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I remember very distinctly of like, number one, like growing up in the church, I would make sure no one knew about my problems at home because otherwise like, Oh, if you're not going to, if you see the real side of this, like of really what goes on in my family, then you're not going to want me like, and that would reject from my church body as well. And so I remember like on those like camp weeks, I would just like go off by myself and like, I would think about and try to process everything, but it wasn't because I was waiting for God to answer them or like to like help me sort through it with the spirit. Like, all right, Lord, what do I do with this? It was more so of like, okay, if you think through these emotions, they'll go away and then you don't have to worry about them anymore. And like, that was kind of like my unhealthy misaligned self of like, don't worry about your emotions. Like, you know, I, I, I did the thing of thinking about my own self. Now, now time to start thinking about others again. Um, and so that's kind of where I see myself misaligned. Um, aligned has definitely been, um, I've seen myself growing this a lot more recently. Cause yeah, like you said, Beth, of when I meet a stranger or even like, even in student ministry, just listening to students, like I'd always like, all right, Oh, this is how you fix, or this is, this is what you need to do. This is like, you know, I have, a, I have a story and an anecdote that goes right along with this. Let me help fix your life. Um, and it's fun to be like now to just like practice sitting, listening, and then, and then that ever so hard phrase of, would you like my advice instead of just instantly <laughs> inserting it in has been so helpful. Um, it really yeah. has allowed me to be, cause that's the thing. That's what's re- great. What we said about this earlier, Libby, of like, we have this power to feel others, but it's really when we're aligned with the gospel that we can actually like sit in emotions with others. We can really be a true empathetic person when we're just listening versus trying to fix the emotion to be like a happier emotion or like something of like, Ooh, you're, you're dealing with some really tough things. Let's get you to a better place because that will help fix everything. And so that's kind of where I see the aligned and beloved um, kind of really assist in that four wing or that four path is through that. It's interesting. You you illustrate something that's uh, very insightful because we have certain feelings about these parts Mm -hmm. of us. And like, there's almost a sense like you have to appeal it or it's a a part of you that you don't want to recognize. And, And that's true for all of the Enneagram types and how we relate to our parts is that it's it's not that you're, they're just they exist, but the reality is that I have feelings about it, and that's why I don't want to recognize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Libby, why don't you go ahead and uh, share about your type four part? Yeah, um, I think the misaligned. I it kind of made me laugh thinking of like how we want to like seclude ourselves to not show people how we're not okay. Um, because my fiance has made comments of like, why don't you often like you don't really cry in front of me that often, and I'm like, huh interesting and then there was one time when we were dealing with trying to get an apartment and it didn't work and I just sat there silently frustrated and then finally when I got to the sad part of my heart I was leaving his house and I drove the car for like two minutes not even getting out of his neighborhood and just parked and started bawling and couldn't stop crying and I was texting him like I can't keep doing all this work for all these areas in my life like I I can't hold this all together anymore And within 10 minutes, he realized, obviously I was texting him and I hadn't left and he dead sprinted to that part of his neighborhood and then sat in my car and it was freezing cold. So he was like huffing and puffing. And he was like, I was like, why did you do that? Like, I'm fine. He's like, because you're crying and you need me here with you. And I was like, oh, 
And he was like, so I'm just going to sit here, even if we get nothing done. Cause it's like, it was like 12 o'clock at night at that point. So we couldn't do anything about the apartment stuff. But like, for me, it helped me realize, and it happened again recently where he sat with me. He's like, do you, are you going to cry? And I was like, no. And he's like, do you want to? I was like, yes. And then within like two minutes, I started bawling again. And like, just having somebody like pinpoint, like, Hey, it's okay. If you're not completely together and to admit that you can't do it all. And to then help, like have someone help you take off like show you like, Hey, don't do this. Like he's a great guideline for me of like, I see how busy you are. So if I ask him, like, should I take this on? And he says, no, he's probably the saner voice than my two-ness inside of me. That's like, no, we could still do it. Like my three is like, no, we'll accomplish it. We'll do great. Um, but I think the, like the best part of the, the better part of the four comes out when I'm talking with my friends and they're talking about how hard their life is. And I've learned to sit there and listen and how helpful that is for people like I never understood how helpful it can be to not try to initiate helping someone like actually sitting there can be helpful and sometimes pushing yourself into someone's life is extremely not helpful and harmful and also I've realized having them like giving them advice that is not linked to me is even better and so most of the time I'll be like is there a way I can pray for you? Is there a way that like, what if you journaled about this and this, and then we talk about it, like prompting them to figure it out internally first. And then, then being like, okay, well now that you kind of are like, this is the feeling, what are, we can come up with ways to actually act it out. But I've realized that just that forness of almost like a creative way of helping has been really unique to like, I don't know, being a two, like what is a unique way that I can serve and help you and be more creative and not just think, there's one way to help you. And it's my advice instead being like, I still find my value in like the fact that like, I still love people. But when I have a four roommate, when she needs to just brain dump, and then I'm like, okay, well, how about you journal about this and this? And she's like, great. That like, it doesn't, it doesn't link to me, but it also still did help her. And then she's able to figure it out and grow a pattern of learning by herself. That isn't just selfishly a part of me. When I remember when you were a teenager, you had a couple of friends that I remember specifically this path for you and you were really hurt and felt um, a lot of pain because you would they would ask for your advice they really looked up to you and you would give them really solid advice but then they wouldn't take it at all (laughs) I think it would keep doing the same pattern over and over and over again and you felt so hurt and like rejected and all this stuff and so that's when I started kind of sharing with you like how in coaching we ask a lot of questions and we we make clarifying statements and we're curious and so I really was you know trying to help you to see that different way of approaching it and over these years you've integrated it more and more and more and to this really beautiful healthy space that you're integrating both that healthy two part of your heart but also the healthy four part which is really making great strides in people's lives so well, now that we know all about the parts of the Type 2's EIP, it's helpful to visualize them as kids on a bus. <laughs> and and let me explain what that might mean. Um, so when our beloved child is driving the bus, all the other parts are aligned and with the truth of the gospel, and they can relax and trust the driver and have a good time. But when the beloved child disengages by going to the back of the bus and to maybe taking a nap, uh, somebody's got to drive. And so the wounded child steps in, but the other parts start to panic and they use their misaligned strategies to grab the steering wheel of life. And they're, they're doing their best to help you, but they're ill-equipped for, to take on this leadership role. 
they need the beloved child to awaken, to get back in the seat, and to lead them towards the truth of the gospel. And the good news is that the more that your wounded child in parts feels seen, heard, and cared for by your beloved child, the more that they will trust it. It's here that your whole heart will begin to experience the kind of contentment and satisfaction that they long for because they know that the beloved part is uh, guiding them. Well, in our last episode, we shared some more practical tips on how to integrate the Enneagram internal profile into your daily life as twos. So go back there, listen to those practical tips. I think you've heard a lot today uh, with Jordan and Libby, and so we're so thankful for their participation in helping us to really understand more about what it's like to be a type two uh, with all of these um, influencing parts of our heart and, and just to hear how their beloved uh, child and when all of the parts are aligned, how truly amazing uh, we not only help others and ourselves, but we how we reflect God in, in a really true and beautiful way. Well, we want to thank uh, our guests, and for those of you who's joined us on uh, however you're participating in this particular podcast, we we learned so much about twos today. And if you have a two in your life uh, or people who love them, please be sure to share this episode with them. Uh, what we did today with our twos is Enneagram Coaching. And we'd love for you to personally experience this. You can do that by connecting with one of our certified Enneagram coaches. They can help you move your Enneagram knowledge from simply to, from your head to your heart, where true transformation can start. You can find a coach that best fits you and your preferences at myenneagramcoach.com. That's myenneagramcoach.com. And to learn even more about EAP, you can pre-order our new book that's coming out this September, More Than Your Number. You can find it wherever books are sold. Yeah, and then join us next week where we're going to take a deep dive into Type 3's EIP. And as always, please remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye.